Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. For the better part of the last decade, science fiction finally evolved from a niche genre into a mainstream staple. As while many people are familiar with the so-called fathers and grandfathers of genre, the women who have been instrumental in creating and shaping the nerveverse have largely gone unrecognized. Until today. I'm Stephanie Williams, and this is Sci-Fi Fangirls, Forgotten Women of Genre, a podcast where we will tell the stories of women who help some of the most famous fantasy worlds become a reality. We as sci-fi fangirls have spent a lot of time reestablishing the historical science fiction and fantasy canon, working to undo the sexist and racist narratives that have defined it. Narratives that erase the work of women and people of color from their rightful place in the history. One such woman was an innovator of utopian fiction, a strident campaigner for civil rights and women's suffrage, and a near legendary figure in the fight for Black women's rights during and after the American Civil War. Her name was Frances Harper. Frances Watkins Harper was born on September 24, 1825, as a free woman in Baltimore, Maryland, which was then a slave state. Her parents died when she was three years old And as an orphan, she was at risk of being taken by kidnappers and sold into an indentured servitude. Instead, she was raised by her aunt and uncle, Henrietta and Reverend William Watkins. Reverend Watkins was the minister at the Sharp Street African Methodist Episcopal Church, as well as a civil rights activist and abolitionist. After being educated at the Watkins Academy for Negro Youth, an institution founded by her uncle, Frances went on to work as a seamstress and a nursemaid for a white family. Her writing career started from a young age. In 1839, at the age of 14, Frances started writing for anti-slavery journals and published a book of poetry titled Forest Leaves at age 21. She moved to Ohio and became the first female teacher at Union Seminary at her uncle's church. Following the passage of the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, wherein all escaped enslaved people upon capture were to be returned to their masters, even if they were in free states. Frances turned her attention to abolitionist causes. She was particularly affected by the story of Edward Ned Davis, a free man of color who was wrongfully but legally enslaved under this law before dying tragically. As a free-born Black woman in a slave state, Frances was painfully aware that Davis's fate could have been hers, and she became a passionate speaker on the anti-slavery lecture circuit across Massachusetts and Rhode Island, working with American Anti-Slavery Society in 1866, and Harper gave a moving speech before the National Women's Rights Convention. 
Her work in women's suffrage movement was key in helping Black women fighting for equal rights to push back against the racist comments of prominent white suffragettes. To the crowd of the convention, Harper said, We are all bound up together in one great bundle of humanity. Society cannot trample on the weakest and the feeblest of its members without receiving the curse in its own soul. You tried that in the case of the Negro. You white women speak of here of rights. I speak of wrongs. I tell you that there is any class of people who need to be lifted out of their airy nothings and selfishness. It is the white women of America. As she gained attention and acclaim for her oratory, she continued to write publishing her second book, Poems of Miscellaneous Subjects, in 1854. Black and white audiences alike loved Harper's work, and the book sold a reported 12,000 copies in its first four years in print. Harper also donated a portion of the proceeds to the Underground Railroad. The 18 poems would then tackle subjects as wide-ranging as women's rights, the hardships of Black motherhood, Christianity and biblical imagery, and pro-abolitionist verse focusing on the struggles of enslaved people. One such poem, titled The Slave Auction, painfully evokes the tyranny and agony of enslaved Black girls being forced to auction as their parents watched. The sale began. Young girls were there, defenseless in their wretchedness, whose stifled sobs of deep despair revealed their anguish and distress. And mothers stood with streaming eyes and saw the dearest children sold. Unheeded rose their bitter cries while tyrants bartered them for gold. And woman, with her love and truth, for these in sable forms may dwell, gaze on the husbands of the, her youth with anguish none may paint or tell. While the collection is deeply moving and unflinching in its portrayal of the hardship faced by Black community during the time, Harper ended things with encouragement saying, there is hope. Yes, blessed be God. She listed the new schools that educate Black children and workers educating themselves in the advancement of religious and new institutions for the community. Even as she sought to expose the bleak truths of white supremacy and slavery, she advocated for and described a brighter future. This would come through most dramatically in her most famous work. Harper's acclaim as a writer grew alongside her prolific output. She became the first Black woman to publish a short story in 1859 and serialized three novels in Christian magazines. During this time, she continued lecturing and campaigning for progressive causes. After the Civil War ended in 1865, Harper became a teacher for newly freed enslaved people during the era of Reconstruction. Disappointed with how other women's groups prioritized white women, Harper co-founded the National Association of Colored Women's Club a campaign extensively against lynching and Jim Crow laws while working to improve education and care for children and the elderly. In 1892, Frances did something revolutionary. She published a novel, Iola Leroy, or Shadows Uplifted, was thought for many decades to be the first novel published by an African-American woman. It was discovered many years later to not be the case, but 
Harper is still one of the first and most notable cases. The book shared many themes with her speeches and poetry, exploring the plight of Black women under the tyranny of slavery and white supremacy, but this one offered a more utopian take on those themes. Indeed, Iola Leroy remains one of her great, if sinfully overlooked, utopian novels in literary history. The eponymous Iola Leroy is a mixed-race woman of majority white ancestry born free in Mississippi during the antebellum years. Her white father is a plantation owner, while her mixed-race mother is a former slave he freed and married before war broke out in the region. After Iola is sent north to be educated, she is kidnapped and sold into slavery in the Deep South. It's not hard to see the parallels between Iola and Harper's own activism and fears. After years of being moved between various slave owners, Iola is freed by the Union Army and travels to reunite her family who have scattered across the country. After a lifetime of suppressing her identity, Iola embraces her blackness and refuses to continue living as white. Even though she and her family know that it would make their lives easier, she even turns down a wealthy suitor whose marriage proposal comes with the condition that she passes as white after their wedding. The Leroy's meet with the progressive thinkers, work towards improving social political conditions, for the Black community in the aftermath of the Civil War. Iola marries a mixed-race man, and the pair return home to North Carolina, where they work to establish a community for formerly enslaved people that includes a school, medical care, and continue campaigning for racial empowerment. Utopian fiction, which dates back to the time of Plato's Republic, are narratives that present an ideal society. While commonly found in speculative writing, utopian stories are easily outnumbered in modern fiction by those of dystopian worlds. Both genres offer creative means to explore contemporary societal issues, paving out ways for improvement of our current worlds or warning signs of the dangers yet to come. Not only did Harper posit a utopian future for Black Americans in post-Civil War era, but she helped to lay the groundwork for Afrofuturism. Iola Leroy offers a realistic and attainable future for Harper's dream of racial uplift. But she also did not shy away from the harsh reality of slavery. The book came about in part because Harper wished to refute the growing trend of the romanticized plantation that had sprung up in culture following the end of the Civil War. This trend sadly remains popular to this day, as evidenced by the continued adoration for stories like Gone with the Wind and the popularity of plantation weddings. With the novel, she worked to reclaim the slave narrative from white authors and use the tropes of Victorian romantic utopian novel to offer political commentary and solutions for societal improvement. The characters, especially Iola herself, fight against the oppressive trappings of white supremacy to find a new form of intellectual and political freedom that whiteness and its power dynamics will never allow. For Harper and Iola Leroy, Black Utopia was a form of civic protest, a way to define a future free of the limitations of systematic racism. It is wholly the work of the Black feminists at the time when Black women were shoved aside in many major women's suffrage groups. Frances Harper continued to work and write until ill health forced her to stop at the turn of the 20th century. 
She died of heart failure on February 22nd, 1911 at the age of 86. An excerpt from her poem, Bury Me in the Free Land, is inscribed on a wall in the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture. The quote reads, I ask no monument proud and high to arrest the gaze of the passers-by. All that my yearning spirit craves is bury me not in the land of slaves. In the decades since Harper's passing, her work sadly disappeared from the limelight. A disheartening but not surprising fate for the work of a historical Black woman in a notoriously white male world of literature, and indeed, the world in general. Her work, especially Isla Leroy, deserves to be firmly reestablished as a pioneering in the canon of utopian fiction. Frances Harper is as crucial a name in the development of Black science fiction and fantasy as Samuel R. Delaney, Octavia Butler, and Pauline Hopkins, and many more. As she wrote in Iola Leroy, I am not despondent to the future of my people. There's too much elasticity in their spirits, too much hope in their hearts to be crushed out by unreasoning malice. Forgotten Women of Genre is a production of Sci-Fi Fangirls. Today's episode was written by Kaylee Donaldson and read by Stephanie Williams. You can find the script of this episode and so much more at SciFiFangirls.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SciFiFangirls. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 